0: Now a word from our sponsor. Tired of the same old boring vape flavors? Looking for a cool new vape juice brand that tells the world just how dark and romantic you are? Look no further than Vapo Negative, our sponsor for this episode. Vapo Negative is a brand new line of vape flavors inspired but not endorsed by the Drab 4. Now, Jeff, you know I absolutely love to vape. I just can't get enough. So you can imagine how excited I was to be contacted by this sponsor. The email was written in Bosnian, so I had to use auto-translate on it first, but once I realized what it was, I was over the moon.
1: The wolf moon?
0: That's right, Jeff. Now Vapo Negative were kind enough to send over a box of samples for me to try, and let me tell you, these are some top-quality vape juices. Let's see here, looks like we've got... Black Cherry Number 1, Too Late Frozen Yogurt, Kill all the white grape, creepy green apple, and October crust, which is the uncrustable flavor. But the one I'm going to try out today is Blood and Fire, which is blood orange with a spicy cinnamon kick. Let's give it a go. Oh. Oh. Uh. Uh. It's, it's, it's great it's really good I love it hey, hey Jeff could you just finish the ad read I'll be right back
1: alright so be on the lookout for Vapo Negative available soon in your local vape shop Typo Negative does not endorse this product nor do they know of its existence Vapo Negative is not intended for daily consumption do not mix Vapo Negative flavors do not consume less than 4 hours before sleeping not available in Serbian owned vape shops And now my
0: computer is humming. Alright. Well, welcome to episode three of Pod is Killing Me. I'm Jesse. And I'm Jeff. And today we're finally getting to the good stuff. We're we're gonna be
1: covering Bloody Kisses. Yes, this is the first good typo negative album.
0: The other two fucking suck. We hate them.
1: <laughs> they were dog shit. They needed to be destroyed. And also, Sorry, I'm reading from I'm reading from Pitchfork's review of their box set, <laughs> the none more negative box set, and that's apparently what it says there.
0: That also goes for our first two episodes. Do not listen to those. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and if you already did, well, you know. Sorry for your ears. Hope, but. Yeah, we 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 uh, we hope you like all of us uh, just completely dismissing Carnivore as a whole.
0: Oh, that that's bonus material. That's going on the Patreon. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do a full running commentary of the Carnivore albums and charge people for it.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you charge hear, people you to our- listen
0: to us be dismissive and strident about not liking them.
1: <laughs> yeah, you could actually hear my arms folded across my chest. <laughs> Just like, hmm, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Refusing to tap my foot to the music in yeah. case it kicks ass. <laughs> well...
0: All joking aside, you know, we we didn't hate those albums, but we're very, very excited to be talking about this one and all the ones going forward.
1: Yes, exactly. And we were hoping to try to see if we could contact Jim Steinem through Ouija board to help us produce this episode to kind of really, you know, pump things up. But unfortunately, he just told us to, uh, you know, completely fuck off and he wanted nothing to do with us. <laughs> yeah he, he said he said my new mic he said was more than enough
0: <laughs> He he also listened to the last two ap- episodes and said that there was nothing he could do it was all there it was all just too too fucking shitty for him to be involved with
1: <laughs> even yeah. even from the afterlife <laughs> yeah, he, yeah he was he was pretty almost offended by it
0: <laughs> but yeah this is like It's a lot of people's favorite typo negative album for good reason. It was probably, you know, a lot of people's first exposure to them, I would imagine.
1: Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, this is everyone's first exposure because I think it's the first time they actually got some decent promotion. And I would say uh, not an insignificant chunk of that probably, I think, came through Beavis and Butthead.
0: These guys are like a cross between Danzig and Megadeth.
1: <laughs> I think they're like a cross between Danzig and my butt. <laughs> that wasn't very nice, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it was. That was a compliment. My butt rules. Oh yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> you get to see Black Number One, and for sure I remember that episode with that on there, and I think I think Christian Woman may have been on there too, maybe. Or my girlfriend's girlfriend. Okay. But yeah but yeah like I mean Beavis Beavis about had made Rob Zombie's career.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah they were Like like no joke they
1: really did.
0: Yeah definitely I I mean I remember seeing that white zombie video on there and
1: Thunderkids yeah. <laughs>
0: I had a picture of white zombie that I had torn out of like the, I think it was hit parader or whatever the fuck it is. That magazine yeah. <laughs> I had torn uh, like the, a one sheet of them out and like stuck it in my binder in second grade. But having literally <laughs> made, like only heard the one song, I was like, this just kicks ass. These guys rule.
1: <laughs> yeah. It is kind of like a, Hey, what if my life with the thrill kill cult wasn't industrial, but rather was just like straight up, like, a more metallic version or the cramps were less psycho Billy, but more metal. (laughs) Yeah. Like they all traffic in this. It's all basically music for like guys who date girls with Betty page bangs,
0: (laughs) AKA turf bangs. That's the new. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no.
1: (laughs) (laughs) More woman than woman. (laughs) (laughs) White zombie rebrands as a turf band.
0: But yeah, (laughs) bloody kisses. This was their big breakthrough, obviously. 1993, uh, the first two albums, basically the same material, re-recorded on the second one, and that was Carnivore. This was finally typo negative, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, it is. There, There is a few bands that kind of have that, where it feels like their first two records are not really the classic version of them yet, Um, and... I'm trying to think of some good example. I would say Depeche Mode was very much like that. I think it was like by the 3rd or 4th record where you're like, "Oh, this is their what you would call classic sound finally here." And uh the Cure is the same way. Um probably the closest an- uh, analogy second album of original materials the first time they sound like themselves. Uh yes, yeah, quite a few. And I um you know, the, maybe the funniest example of that might be Pantera. <laughs> because, like, you know, like, if you think about it, like, it, it those first records, it's like Cowboys from Hell is, in many ways, for people, it's not their first record, but it's kind of considered their first record. It's and it's so, the
0: birth of Dimebag Daryl and, you know,
1: yeah, Reston. not Diamond. Yeah, <laughs> Diamond Daryl. <laughs>
0: i still have never heard that pantera stuff i've never heard their old like van halen type stuff but i've i've heard about it
1: yeah exactly it's the same thing it's um it's kind of like how motley Crue didn't really have a first good album until after vince neal left <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>! <laughs> sorry just fucking what around what the fuck but, was
0: uh, that dude's name like john Carabo or some shit john carabi yeah <laughs> I actually saw he? he was, he recently, fun, funny enough, he was <laughs> just, like, talking shit about Vince Neal, just being like, he really shouldn't be out there, his voice is shot. <laughs> you know, like,
1: I desperately wish there was a conspiracy theory. Kind of like when people made that stupid one that when Bill Hicks died, people were like, he became Alex Jones. <laughs> D- despite being, like, different heights and everything. I, I kind of desperately wish someone had said that about Sam and becoming Vince Neal. <laughs> <laughs> Except Kinnison had a better voice. <laughs> Vince... He could actually scream with power. Vince
0: is just metamorphosing into...
1: Late know, period <laughs> Kinnison.
0: Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully the final
1: stage soon. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he got microwaved.
0: I mean, he's... Didn't he, like, like did like he fucking, out. like,
1: just... Or was it just the one guy? I can't remember. Yeah, that is true. He... he may have or no he definitely did he's he's admitted many times over that he got completely lucky I think that's um, a really good example of the psychology of being able to get away with shit and how on some people it actually really messes you up because like for him he became just miserable ever since and it's like he skated off like completely and he, even he admits I got away with murder and he seems so unhappy about <laughs> that fact
0: unlike fucking Matthew Broderick that piece of shit <laughs>
1: he was yelling life comes at you pretty fast as he ran over the person <laughs> well in all fairness he ran over principal rooney you know
0: maybe he knew what principal rooney was up to yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. on the side <laughs> what's that dude's name jeffrey jeffrey jones yes jeffrey jones yes oh god jeffrey
1: jones looks like the kind of guy you would have saw <laughs> got caught on uh, to catch a predator <laughs>
0: Do you know he was, like, busted uh, with Pee Wee
1: Herman? Oh, Jesus. Oh, no.
0: Yeah. So they were uh, they were somehow involved when Pee when Wee got busted with his stash. Was reported in the news as being, you know, like, oh, you know, it was just, like, artistic nudes of children. <laughs> it wasn't actual child was, exploitation in, material. In all
1: fairness, he was just a huge Eric Clapton fan, and it was just a giant crate of blind faith albums <laughs> with the original <laughs> artwork. <laughs> Although including scratch and sniff on that album was a really poor taste. I think. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> And we got a copy of it right here. Let me see. If, yeah, let, I'm... Let, me get the, let me get the sticker off. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Jeff's going to review it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, wow. You know, just like, <laughs> what is that? Sirens? Hold on. Let me, let me, let me, let me go see who's at the door. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah it let's get back to this record um yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> no yeah i just you uh, this was uh this is a, a huge record and it was a huge record for roadrunner their label as well this was roadrunner's first album to go gold and the first one to go platinum yes um, the, the head of <laughs> the head of R- Roadrunner at the time Monty Connor who gets a short a little shout out in one of these songs he <laughs> 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 I was reading an interview with him in on the Revolver website and he was just talking about Josh and Peter were just so insulated and just holed up in the studio and when he got the demo from them everyone at roadrunners immediately knew it was going to be huge they just knew something was going to happen with it because it was such a massive leap beyond their previous material
1: oh yeah it is incredible you always think you might see like hints and pieces of it like you know like a transition album or something and it's like no because origin was mostly a retread of the first album and so it feels like a completely different band almost Like, the songwriting, and also, there's, like, at least four other things that show up in terms of, like, influence that you can hear in there. You've got, like, swirly psychedelia, which kind of, like, makes me think of things like shoegaze and stuff. you got, like, elements that remind me of, like, Floodland-era Sisters of Mercy. And the other one, the big one for me, is I think this is the first album to show any hint of Beatles love.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's 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 big here. Yeah. Like, it's just <laughs> like it, it, it rears its head in a really big way.
1: And also, um, this may be their first time ever that they blatantly do um, a tribute to Huey Lewis in the news.
0: Damn, you just spoiled my cover choice for this episode, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: no for for world come down he could do i want a new drug
0: <laughs> actually that's kind of genius i feel like they would have made that incredible
1: oh yeah that would actually have been pretty awesome and it wouldn't have just sounded like the ghostbusters thing
0: yeah and the the thing about their covers is and the the cover on this album summer breeze seals and oh, crops um, fucking one of the best songs on the album and it's, they do such a good job See the curtains hanging in the window in the evening on a Friday night. A little light shines the window, but you know everything's alright. Summer breeze makes It's and I, you know, at the time, people thought they were fucking around and doing a parody of it but but no Peter in interviews is just like you know I was born in you know 1962 my sisters had those albums and I grew up listening to them and I loved them and I just wanted to take that filter it through my own influences and my own voice and it was in no way a parody or making fun of it but I guess apparent when they first recorded it they had changed some of the lyrics
1: and Seals and Croft were like not pleased with that at all.
0: Yeah, Seals and Crofts were apparently pissed, so it would not give them the rights to, to you, the song. You sing it so. the
1: way, you sing it our way or else. Yeah, which is really interesting because I was thinking around that same time, like a similar ish band. What I mean is just likely the the odds are higher if you have one CD from one guy, you might have it. You might have it from another. Revolting Cox, and let 1990 and in 93 each have like a cover where the the tone is completely different. It is clearly meant to take the piss out of the song, right? And for them, they did "Let's Get Physical." But what's funny is I read about on that one, they apparently had, were doing it with original lyrics, like, like the, with the Olivia Newton John lyrics, and they were told, you can't release it with those. You got to change them <laughs> all up. And the musical arrangement is so strange and different that it kind of is sort of a cover, but it almost isn't anymore. So, like, apparently that's a rarity is to find the one with the actual real lyrics to it. And I'm like, that's funny. So, The Sincere cover is like, it's sincere, so don't change the lyrics if it's sincere. Yeah. And the joking version (laughs) is, don't cover this straight up. You know, so I think it is kind of a funny thing. It's a weird reverse situation. Yeah. (laughs) No, but but that cover is so fucking good. Um, Do you think we want to do this, like, in order, perhaps?
0: Yeah, we can do it in order. I mean, I still figured we could go over a little bit of the
1: making of the album
0: though no definitely, things, definitely. but well i, I said my favorite like you you had oh go ahead
1: i'll say my favorite tidbit of info about the making of was them apparently kind of sort of reaching out to jim steinem for this yeah that was roadrunner yeah the or band that,
0: did the the band did not want another producer i guess i was gonna
1: say they everything self-produced with them right
0: yeah Roadrunner was just trying to force them to get a producer, and Jim Steinem was the only name the band would give them. But
1: Yes, yeah. Apparently, I don't know if he was being polite and turning it down, but I would think, and I would assume, I I wasn't sure whose idea that was until you just told me, but that it was because of Floodland, and it was because of the Sisters of Mercy. Oh, okay. Because you imagine them being like, you should get this guy, the one who did... Air supply, <laughs> you know, like you know, meatloaf makes sense a yeah. bit. Bonnie Tyler, like I could see half of his epics being crushed by by uh, typo negative. Yeah. Like they could totally kill Total Eclipse of the Heart. Oh yeah, if there was ever a song I wish they had done, yeah, you know that would have been incredible. But yeah, like the, the Sisters of Mercy famously got Jim Steinem, but apparently Andrew Eldritch only got him involved because he said if I have his name attached. I can get more money for a choir, <laughs> and so by attaching Jim there, it's like uh, you know, just having like, look, Jim's involved. It's like, well, he's done hits. Here's some more money. Was that so just on?
0: F- was that just on Dominion? Is there another
1: Dominion? This and this corrosion. Okay. And then he used him, and he got him again for their last album. Who had for the single more? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So yeah, he uses him for a few songs.
0: Yeah, Monty Connor, the Roadrunner, had. He said uh that that when the demo was delivered it was like 80 percent complete and what ended up on the finished album is a little yes. extra 20 percent of tweaking that they added um but yeah i'm uh, it's ext- very fucking impressive that they went from slow deep and hard origin of the feces to this
1: oh yeah it's incredible and one of my favorite things about that too was that just random last bit about Steinem was that apparently they say that when he heard it, he was basically like, well, where do I even come in on this? Yeah. Like, meaning like, like, what is there left for me to even do? This thing is already over the top. And you know what I mean? Like, you know, add, adding your puffy shirt moments to uh, black number one with the little harpsichord thing. Like, that's kind of would have been a thing Jim would have done. And it's like, oh, you already did that. Well, I guess <laughs> I don't need it. You don't really need me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah very fucking cool album and really just a a gigantic leap beyond the the other stuff it was huge for them it wasn't like an immediate success it was like you know the songs played on the radio and on mtv but in low rotation but they just kept they kept playing
1: and yeah you know what it was like it was like top gun maverick where like it just stayed consistent for a long time. It didn't make all its money in like two weekends. It just, it made money, but then it just kept making money.
0: I actually had that in my notes. Like, just like musically, it's the Top Gun 2. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but one of the cooler things that's super underrated about them, generally speaking, that I, and I, um, I will say that it's really kind of, uh, makes, and it shows itself the first time on this album. The first album has a lot of like uh what do you call it, more difficult genres of music in there like things that are less ear friendly you know talking hardcore talking like more kinds of sludgy or metal uh even bits of industrial on certain particular songs this one it's like hey what if we add a whole lot of sweetener to this like what if we put some cream in the coffee like you know we're, like i said we, we referenced beatles Hell, seals and croft completely is a good one um elements of even like more radio friendly like what would be termed like funnier, like butt rock, like arena rock. Oh yeah, yeah. Like you got some of the, some of these choruses, man. They lift, they carry it up. That's the little sprinkling of oregano on
0: top of it. Is the is the little butt rock elements that Kenny adds, the
1: solos. Oh yeah, the solos are great. It's Like it, actually, it's, I think it's just, fantastic. It's the
0: perfect little taste of butt.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it doesn't over it doesn't yeah, overpower
0: a, the soup. It's just like you know, someone just like. Dip their little butthole on the soup, and, yeah.
1: You, know. yeah you, you sprinkle it the way you would cayenne pepper. You don't want to. You know what? It's nice. It's nice that the that you hear that you get to hear the butt rock element and not see it on the cover.
0: <laughs> it's not shoved in your face. You aren't getting smothered by the butt on this. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> but yeah, the, like this to me is the first time I would say that they really like qualify where you. I guess you would put in the goth element as among the. Among the, the uh, genres that they are a yeah. part of. This is the album where they become what I would call like the mix. If you had to describe them or break down classic peak typo negative to me, it is Black Sabbath and Sisters of Mercy are kind of like probably the two biggest parts of that. Stu- yeah,
0: you got to have the Beatles in it, there, too, like the, though, like that little that's that's oh, yeah, probably like the third little element
1: I would add on top of that. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, like, you couldn't just say to a Beatles fan, like, very Beatles-esque, and oh, right. they'd be like, yeah. what is this? <laughs> no, totally. You know I mean? It's, it's like,
0: something you you hear, like, as you listen to the full album or, you know, very select it,
1: songs, maybe. But And for fans of other forms of alt rock or hard rock or anything like that, I will say different bands have different schools to them. Like, Typo Negative never struck me as a Joy Division band. Even if they like them, they don't come from that school Like, they don't feel like bands that have, like, images of, like, old sculpture art and, like, make you think about dying.
0: Yeah.
1: They can have songs about death, but they come from me. Like, their goth comes from Sisters of Mercy and their metal comes from Sabbath. Another alternative rock band that ended around the same time, I would say, is Jane's Addiction. Jane's Addiction, to me, was also a hard rock and a gothy thing mixed together. But to me, they were Led Zeppelin meets Bauhaus. They were way more theatrical, the parts of Bauhaus's goth, but their hard rock I thought was more of a Zeppelin thing. Like it's 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 got more of like a swagger thing to it and everything, it's more bluesy, I guess you'd say, whereas typo negatives is much more like like War Pigs is more their speed. Right. Yeah. So anyone who's a fan of like Sabbath or Sisters, I would say always recommend you should jump into this. You should check it out. And start with this album. Don't start at the beginning. Yeah.
0: They're the only band that that I know of that has really done this sound. They 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 sort of invented a new sound, and
1: well, you don't like Cradle of Filth.
0: <laughs> Cradle of Filth is more like black metal inspired, but no, I'm
1: kidding, totally you know, kidding. Because my point like is
0: symphonic, but like I there are some bands. There's like I, I mean, I don't want to talk shit on bands that I haven't really listened to, but I know there's like Paradise Lost. Or, you know, bands like that that do sort of, like, the doomier, more like... Swooning romantic. Yeah, like, they they, they attempt that. From what I've heard, they don't quite hit that sweet spot for me. Like, it wasn't bad music or anything, but it just wasn't quite, like... It's not typo. They just have a sound that's just so unique. It's Peter's voice. It's his bass playing
1: he i think the yeah, backing vocals backing yeah the backing vocals holy shit such a secret weapon And i
0: really honestly i feel like it's the beatles thing that is yes that is like really like what kind of pushes them beyond it's that sense of melody and harmony and that it's like the psychedelic elements in there and sort of the
1: I don't know, how and to not afraid it, to go, but they're not—they're not afraid to do a like a a solo that would sound not out of place on a Bon Jovi song. Yeah, which seems
0: like, anathema to carnivore. Oh, you would think something. it would be
1: awful? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, it would—that would not fit at all. Yes. But here it works because you've got nice pop melodies in there, and that's something a lot of people forget—they're missing a piece. Also, the tongue firmly planted in the cheek. Yeah you know like and it's not like some high level irony it's just or between the cheeks yeah. <laughs> i mean the first two albums alone should tell you kind of in terms of humor where we are with this <laughs> you know
0: i feel like this one's a lot funnier this out oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the the the, the, co- the album covers are funny but the humor doesn't quite hit for me this even you know we'll we'll get to it later on but something like we hate everyone just makes me laugh it's just funny (laughs) as shit even though even though i completely take issue with how a lot of typo negative fans view this song but we can get to that later
1: yeah my favorite thing about that song maybe is that the title sounds like the uh defensive apology of a shock jock (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> it, yeah hey, look, yep. man.
1: we look man yes. we hate everyone you know yep. and then he kind of has to apologize for a comment made about the jews and know? that
0: completely ties in with how a lot of people seem to view that song mm. but we've again we can we can get to that later do you have any you know, th-
1: go ahead i will say i looked up a handful of uh, uses of it on youtube that just that song and i was reading all these comments and i was expecting an absolute sewer i must have just gotten lucky uh, I would say a majority of the people were making incredibly awesome pointed uh, commentary on the actual music. Oh, I love what the breakdown that happens here. Oh, I love, you know, this sounds like yeah. a leveled up version of. And I was like, yeah, it does. It does actually kick ass. It's like yeah. musically. It's good. Yeah. Um, it feels like a leveled up version of their more hardcore elements because there's still parts of that come in here.
0: Yeah, we this... still have
1: that and kill the kill all the white people. Yeah,
0: the, the two songs that, uh, that... The, the
1: official anthem of uh, twenty twenty Black Lives Matter rallies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, at least that's parody, what I
1: heard. Parody, <laughs> yeah.
0: parody, not 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 the official stance of this podcast.
1: Listen, all I know is that's what I heard on the news was happening at the rally that I wouldn't go to. <laughs> <laughs> that they were singing that. <laughs> Those insane radicals like D-Ray <laughs> <laughs> promoting Dorita chips with new flavors that I didn't ask for. <laughs> Billy Porter wants me dead. Yeah, Billy Porter. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, I'm shaking in my damn boots because of that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, this the white power structure has never been weaker when Billy Porter's at the his Billy Porter stands against it. <laughs> 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 Ooh, man.
0: Yeah, that that thing he did at the DNC. What was that? Stephen Stills. <laughs> <laughs> that that was the most bone chilling display yeah. I've seen in years.
1: Yeah. Not not since the revolution of Haiti have white people been so afraid.
0: <laughs> that was like the Nuremberg rally. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah here's the thing it was but only in the sense of all things in terms of good taste in music that's <laughs> You know, that's the thing that sucks is you can't just say openly like, oh, you know what? Most of this shit just kind of sucks on a purely musical level. (laughs) And I kind of sometimes wonder if like really bad, annoying politics kind of takes that place. Like, well, now you can't say you like it because that means you endorse this. And it's like, no, I don't. I just think musically this sucks. The same way I think musically, a lot of this shit on this album is really good, even if he's saying stuff that is probably something I would not want to be associated with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, like look, look at even you right now, for example, you got that screwdriver T-shirt on right now, right?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh wait, what's this? Oh, why is there a W in there? <laughs> oh, oh, swerve driver. Okay, right. sorry. <laughs> Thanks. Sorry, I'm, disle- <laughs> I'm dyslexic.
0: This is why I don't wear this shirt outside of my apartment. <laughs> Having had it actually confused for a screwdriver shirt. Oh have you? Yeah. When I worked at when I worked at the blank warehouse, this uh this dude just came up and was looking me up and down and he goes, Oh, oh okay. Swerve driver. All right. Uh, I, I thought, <laughs> see, I thought that said screwdriver. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you reveal that there's like two like paste on letters. You take them off. You're like, it does. <laughs> it does, brother. It's like, it didn't help that you probably also had like Doc Martin boots with red laces or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. That's so like, funny because my ex i'll bleep that out Uh, yeah you better god damn it i was that was for your ears only but she had doc martens and she put pink laces in them like she had no uh, idea yeah like hot they're like hot pink laces i didn't know either but you know once we found out she fucking took them out
1: yeah it's like when you grow up in ventura you quickly like unfortunately you have to know these things
0: but anyway, let's get let's get back to the the actual <laughs> subject of this. Are you did you do you have anything about the year 93 that this came out?
1: Uh, the main thing I could think of is there's just a handful of records I could think of that really kick ass that came out like beyond like Nirvana's and utero. Um, Pearl Jam's was Pearl Jam's versus. Th- was that 93 or was that 92? That's verse. Yeah. 93. Okay, I thought so. The one that actually I think of a lot, because it's the closest analog I think to a certain side of this, might be Jar of Flies by Alice in Chains. Think of it yeah. only in this way. It only hit me the other day. I was re-listening to "Bloody Kisses," and I was listening to, to "Blood and Fire," both versions, right? And I was like, you know, that guitar tone when it when it gets also when it slows down, right? And you get to the whole like lost inferno and everything. I'm like that guitar tone is so gorgeous and so pretty. Um, like it, 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 like it's it's really stuns me, and I'm thinking I never really heard anything like this before. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, it kind of reminds me a bit of the more acoustic tones of Jar of Flies. Might be the closest analog I yeah. can hear. It's like another typically heavier sludge band softening its sound with incredibly good results.
0: Yeah. And again, I Allison Chains is another band that I feel like has a little taste, tasteful
1: butt element in there. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? The, the, the <laughs> solo from uh, Rooster is a power ballad in grunge clothes. Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah, I can rooster. I'm kind of ambivalent on it's. I've heard it so many times; it's a little overplayed. But uh, dirt oh, like it's I mean, you? dirt. That whole album is it's fantastic. It's, it's a great album, but there's 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 butt there. There's oh, definitely yeah. some but hell yeah, dude. It's like you you really hear like the fact that they were called Alice in Chains at one point, yeah. rather than Alice in, in Chains.
1: Oh, yeah, totally, <laughs> like, man. Come on. A-N-C well, instead
0: of G, N, R. And I mean, yeah, that first facelift, I mean, even more so, the butt rocks there. But that album's pretty fucking kick ass, too. Oh, yeah,
1: no, it's good. And, like, um, and once again, actually, another Allison Change thing that I think uh, another connection, sort of, to make. Um, these are not even one to one comparisons, but. In the same way that we really fixate on Peter Steele's voice and we really hyper on Lane Staley as the vocalist, we are underrating Jerry Cantrell and we are underrating yeah. the contributions of um, God, Josh the, Silver. Yeah, like his voice, like the backing vocals. Does he do the backing vocals? No, no. I don't know if he does. Who's? I was thinking, who's the backing vocal guy? I don't know. I know Kenny does some. I think Josh does some too. Because whoever else is doing that, man, those moments when they hit together, when they sing together, oh my god! It...
0: I, 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 honestly, I need to look into that because I, that is a big element, yeah. and it's it doesn't it comes through on the records really strong, like the you know Christian woman that. thing. again. I'm yeah, gonna edit exactly. That out. No, no, definitely. <laughs> or
1: even the set me on. Even when they're all just doing set me on fire yes, together. Yes. Yeah i
0: mean we can go th- we can get to it. When we get to the songs but <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we're getting to the songs where we get to the fucking songs but
1: or, or 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 too late frozen like when they're like when it's when it's more when it's poppier in yeah. the beginning like and they're all just in the it's too late you know that yes. whole part like yeah. same thing
0: one other thing one last thing about allison chains before we move on i did read i did read that uh I think it was Johnny, the the drummer who replaced their first drummer Sal. He specifically said, like, name checked Allison Chains. I think in I want to say in like '97 or '99, an interview I was reading, he he named them specifically as a band they really liked. But that makes sense. Um, yeah, '93 was a was a pretty fucking big year for uh, hard rock and heavy metal, like Tool, Undertow. Oh Jesus! Came that's out right. That
1: year. Rollins band.
0: Melvin's <laughs> Melvin's Houdini. Melvin's major label debut. Oh shit! Uh, incredible album. I'd re- highly recommend that.
1: I did not know what that is actually.
0: (laughs) Oh, so Entomb, they are a Swedish uh, death metal band. Oh, okay. Sort of a, but and the Wolverine Blues was kind of like their—I would say their black album because it was very stripped down. The song Wolverine Blues, the video just has like stills of the (laughs) X Men character Wolverine. It was like used as like a (laughs) tie-in with the X Men. (laughs) it's a pretty fucking sick song (laughs) and
1: uh biohazard biohazard they have an album this year i think they do i could be wrong i think they do i swear they do please oh don't don't please tell me we also can't forget um get a grip by aerosmith (laughs) (laughs) hey monster magnets first album i think is here
0: okay and we, I've never listened to them besides Space Lord. <laughs> I, know, like, I know.
1: For me, it's just Negasonic Teenage Warhead, which is like the dumbest title ever. Oh, yeah. But that I, I
0: I have heard that one. But
1: too. that is like a 90s stoner metal version of Tales of Brave Ulysses. <laughs> by by Cream. I swear to God, they're very similar to me. Animals with Human Intelligence by Enough Zenough.
0: one of Howard Stern's favorite bands.
1: <laughs> quick question here, just quick question. Had Peter lived, could you imagine him talking about masks on an album?
0: Yes. Yeah, I can. I can.
1: Yeah. Can, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Because, like, how awful would that be? Not because of one stance or another, but just the fact that anybody at all. Like, my favorite musicians are the ones who haven't really gone too far in either direction. Yeah. I don't have to know about what you're doing. I feel like the... I Yeah, I would agree. Would he? Would he? Would he have been a rebel with Eric Clapton on that horrible song? Oh fuck!
0: I mean, as big of a fan of Dead Again as I am, I I really feel like he would have some some pretty interesting lyrics <laughs> in the time since he passed. Uh, rest, oh, yeah. rest in peace, Green Man. Yeah, rest in peace. What what year
1: was Life Is Killing Me?
0: I think that was ninety nine. Or 2003. No, no, that's World Coming Down. 2003. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. oh, okay, so that's post-9-11 Iraq War, right? I believe so. So that would explain their weird B-side where they remade maybe one of the best songs in this album as Muslim Woman. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the 2003 <laughs> remix. <laughs> but it said, for her beliefs, she'll burn in hell. Like, it's still in there. <laughs> just the idea of the same song but it's called muslim woman oh god like immediately chills down the spine at what that would consist of
0: i'm i'm really excited for our dead again episode and we really get to dig into those lyrics because they're very very interesting to to see where his headspace was towards towards that part of his life so yeah i i just got a few more uh, cool albums that came out oh, in yeah go for it, man. um neurosis enemy of the sun that was again another album where it was a, their big leap from the previous stuff the other neurosis albums were more hardcore influenced again and then enemy of the sun is this just really menacing spooky like weirdly like mystical sludge album
1: Sounds like a similar leap.
0: I would say, as where typo negative becomes more, uh, well, how would you say this? Approachable. <laughs> uh, yeah. neurosis goes the opposite direction. Um, I, I mentioned last episode, Sleep's Holy Mountain. I'll mention it again this time because 93 was the year it came out in the U.S. Good album. Uh, Smashing Pumpkin, Siamese Dream.
1: Oh, Jesus. How did I miss that? Great album. That's, Cherub Rock, one of my favorite songs ever. Remains
0: the only Smashing Pumpkins album that I've ever really listened. Yes. That, that, only, that has grabbed me from start to finish.
1: Yeah, 100%. I, I, that, that is, to me, that is uh, Smashing Pumpkins basically being like, hey, what if we took the guitars from Loveless and applied them in a more straightforward hard rock fashion? Yeah. Like, let's have, let's have 18 guitars overdubbed over each other at all times yeah. and and it really kicks ass. Yeah,
0: Cherub Rock is one of the best songs of the 90s in my opinion.
1: Uh, 100%. Um
0: Radiohead's Pablo Honey. I'm not, oh, not you, I'm not a big fan of that album. I'm more I'm more of a fan of like, you know, you know, the the Bends is is a little more there, but Kid A is my favorite Radiohead, but
1: You know what's funny? Radiohead might be another uh, good example. Uh of course the difference is they did great leap forwards twice in a row. But I would say that, yeah, wow, the difference from Pablo Honey to OK Computer is like the difference from Slow Deep and Hard to Bloody Kisses. Yeah, there you go. Um, I, except Slow Deep and Hard didn't didn't tag him with One Hit Wonder. Yeah, because <laughs> right. they were doing spring break appearances singing. I know you're fucking someone else. <laughs> <laughs> hanging, hanging out with like uh with a uh, like Adam Curry or like Ricky Rackman or something.
0: Yeah. Fucking Ricky Rackman. I have a. I have a little snippet from a Ricky Rackman interview with Typo Negative that we can get to later
1: on in the episode. <laughs> Fucking an <laughs> <Okay>. annoying
0: dickhead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is funny watching all those guys who were like the hosts or whatever, the gatekeepers, I guess you want to call them, of like hard rock media from like 19, 19- they, but they showed up in like the late 80s. And they had, like, the style and everything. And then all of a sudden, in, like, 93, they all have, like, the wallet chain, like, slick back hair look. D- dressed like they work at a gas station, like, <laughs> overnight. Like, like their big glam hair got, all got cut. <laughs> but what's funny is they don't go from the 87 look to the 93 look. They go from 87 look to, like, a, like a 1990 look where they got Wayne's World-style long hair. And they're all wearing, like, Stevie Ray Vaughan hats. <laughs> You know, and then from there, then they cut the hair all the way and they suddenly, you know, but they go from the teased glam to the like, oh, this is a more down to earth ripped jeans version of like <laughs> L.A. metal. Yeah. And then from that, they, they, you know, like they're trying to save face, you know, post guns and roses. <laughs> and then by like 93, they've all completely they're all wearing the flannel. Yeah. And in three years, they would all wear, like, uh, shiny silver, like, T-shirts or whatever. <laughs> and they'd all pretend to be into the Chemical Brothers. <laughs> oh, God.
0: Yeah, just just one more album I had written down here. I don't want to waste. I, I, you know, I spent, like, one second writing this down, so I don't want to waste the time. <laughs> uh, PJ Harvey, Rid of Me, another oh, another shit. great Steve Albini-produced album from 1993. He had just two two fucking massive albums.
1: Oh, hell yeah. Uh, from the great Steve Albanian.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Hello to our Albanian listener, by the way.
1: <laughs> yeah, who's probably sending us death threats as we speak. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. No, we love you. You're great. all right folks that was part one of bloody kisses thank you so much for listening we went a little long on this one so we're dividing it into multiple episodes to make sure we give this album its due but uh we'll be back in a couple weeks with part two where we'll fully dive into the album and go track by track with it thanks again for checking out the podcast and please reach out to us at podiskillingme at gmail.com or come follow the new Instagram page I just made at pot is killing me um okay we'll see you back here in a couple weeks for part 2 of bloody kisses bye check that out <laughs> the bone <laughs> Oh, will she trick us? Uh, <laughs> I bet she will. Uh, <laughs> and... You guys aren't gonna get any
1: chicks looking like this. Yes, they will, <laughs> dumbass. Didn't you know that, like, all you have to do is be in a video and you automatically get chicks? <laughs> Oh, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> it's like,
0: all you gotta do is go out and say, Hey, baby. I'm, like, in a video. Wanna, you know... Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, leave her alone! Leave her alone! Partner! Oh. i <laughs> kick your ass! <laughs> oh... <laughs> <laughs> These guys are like a cross between Danzig and Megadeth. <laughs>
1: I think they're like a cross between Danzig and my butt. <laughs> that wasn't very nice, but it <laughs> Yeah it was. That was a compliment. My butt rules. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he said number one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>